Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to At The Whiteboard. And this morning, we have the absolute pleasure of one of my favorite people and one of the most uh, exceptional uh, facilitators and leaders in the leadership world, Sai Charney. Welcome, Sai Charney. Thank you. It is wonderful to be here and to be able to chat to you. Never done this before with you, so I'm looking forward to spending the time with you and uh, sharing some thoughts on my own, but also this listening to what you have to say, Nicole. I'm so thrilled. Um, I'll give you a little background. Um, Sai actually instructed a leadership program that I was in, let's say close to maybe 12 or 13 years ago now, um, and was such an impactful instructor, um, one that you know I constantly refer back to. Um, and now Sai and I have the pleasure of getting to uh, work together on this podcast, we're also co-moderating a clubhouse room every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. called Morning Leader Motivation, where we have we have a bunch of different topics that we discuss. But above all, we ask our, our listeners and our participants to contribute the one thing that they are doing to uh, enhance their leadership today, to be more empathetic, kind, caring, graceful, engaging, uh, and impactful leaders in their organization. So we have quite, quite the fun time on Tuesday mornings. We do indeed. It's, it's a real pleasure. And we've met some real nice people. And you have a wonderful ability to engage and to get to know the people that call in. And it feels like a family when we do that on Tuesday mornings. It's really nice. Oh, gosh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. It does feel a bit like a family, like we've got our regular participants who are there. Um, we get to meet some new people. It really is so fun. So uh, for anyone who's not on Clubhouse, you've got to get yourself on Clubhouse. It is quite uh, a refreshing breath of fresh air from, uh, you know, a million Zoom calls, being on video. It's so interesting. I've spent the last week completely off Zoom calls, and I feel like a whole new person, you know, going back to uh, podcasting, which is pure audio and clubhouse. And I've even been taking all my calls on, on the old school telephone um, has been very rejuvenating for me this week. Funny enough, I have a telephone on my desk. Doesn't ring very often, but it's wonderful to <laughs> see. I'm just trying to figure out how to use it now, but, but, it, but it's great. Yes, indeed. It's I love funny it. how, it's funny how today that people send you emails and say, can I phone you? I mean, why wouldn't you just phone me? It's really bizarre. It's, anyway. uh, it's, it's, a new, it's a new trend in kind of because we have the ability to schedule time, I guess, this, this idea of saying, hey, are you free now? Are you available to take the call? Uh, because telephone is different now, right? We, don't, we can choose whether to pick it up or not pick it up. I don't think it was like that. Um, before you know if your phone rang you picked it up because it could be important now there's so much spam and other weird stuff anyhow today we are going to talk about um the tenacity of leadership and it's something that i've often facilitated and talked about particularly when it comes to accountability i've often said 
you know, one of the greatest skills of a manager is your tenacity, you know, this ability to create a cadence of accountability and, and consistently um, meet with your team members, to consistently hold them accountable to times and deadlines and quantity and quality and everything that they're responsible for. I've often said that that's kind of this, this core innate characteristic that if you want to be a great leader, you have to build a little bit of this uh, tenacity and, and perseverance and persistence in your, in your leadership. Um, but this has been a topic that's super exciting for, for you, Sai. So let's start off. I'm going to back up a little bit and say, tell us about yourself, uh, what you do, who you do it for. Tell us everything about you. Oh, uh, do you have an hour and a half just for the introduction? <laughs> well, my, my, my career goes back uh, over 40 years to South Africa. And in the early days, I had uh, many, many jobs. Most jobs I had for were either one or two years. And I worked for managers and not for leaders. And um, I, I, I discovered, of course, when I think back, that um, managers have a huge impact on the lives of people. And when they take, take no interest in you and you're just a number, uh, it doesn't take long to realize that, that um, you're going to go nowhere in this organization. And on those rare occasions where I had someone that took an interest in me and cared about me, I, I stayed much longer. In fact, my longest job ever was um, for a consulting company in Toronto for six years. And I love that. Not only did they take care of me, but they gave me lots of freedom, which is really important. So the number one thing that I, that I've, want out of a job is um, the ability to to flex my own muscles and kind of do my own thing and feel that sense of freedom. So over the years, I've le learned the difference between management and leadership. You know, managers do things day to day and leaders really are thinking about tomorrow and also thinking more strategically. So in my early years, just going back to your question, I, I worked in all kinds of organizations, even as a farm laborer. Um, but later on, I, I found that what my high school principal told me, that the only thing I'd ever be good for is teaching. That was his ass assessment of me, <laughs> that I love to teach. I love being in a classroom. And so I found that opportunity um, one year later when I came to Canada in 1980. So this happened from 1981. And from then on, I never really looked back. I love being with people, I love learning from them. Most of what I know was not from my, my MBA. It's what I've learned from people like yourself. Um, and, and that's where my career really took off. I started off consulting, training. And then after six years, I decided I needed to do my own thing. And went from the 18th floor from Eglinton and Young in Toronto to my basement in, uh, in North York. And so the ability to be entrepreneurial and grow and learn and offer different things has been what I do. But my central focus is on organizational performance. So I, so I have a holistic approach. Leadership is one of those things, but I've got into uh, effective teams, high-performance teams, measurement using balanced scorecards. Um, and one of my core areas of expertise is values working with organizations that have no values, well-defined values, are, is, is a real issue because people are scattered and all over the place. And so I like to work with an organization that has clearly defined values, 
And more importantly, they live the values. So those are some of the things I do. Um, I've worked with universities across Canada, almost all of them, business schools, and with a um, uh, training organization in Dubai. It's actually the largest training organization in the world. And I'm proud to say I'm the only Canadian on their, on their roster. So I have trained you know, many parts of the world. I love working with different cultures and being able to adapt. Um, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm more excited today about what I do than when I started. And I was pretty excited then. And, you know, I, I feel that consultants, we're like, we're like a red wine. The longer you do it, the better you become. We, we, we bring wisdom and we have stories in our back pockets and we're not just operating from a, from a book of theory. So anyway, that, that's what I do. And I, I'm so happy that I've met people such as you. And it gives me great pleasure to have a small number of people who I really enjoy working with and trust and who I can work with. It's because otherwise consulting, individual consulting can be quite lonely. But um, I've developed these nice relationships and that's really given me a great amount of pleasure. Uh, it's so wonderful. I, I enjoy working with you so much and I love chatting leadership with you. And I certainly resonate with that piece of uh, when I, you know, am teaching or talking about leadership, I just, you know, you get the butterflies, you get the tingles. Yesterday, I recorded a podcast with a very good friend of mine, Janice, and uh, we talked all about Tony Robbins and what's his oh, yeah. uh -huh. uh, magic secret sauce to being this leader of thousands and hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people who are able to transform and unleash their power. Uh, you know, what's this, this ability to be limitless. And we had just such a great talk. And I, I, so I can still resonate with that. I become more and more excited uh, by leadership and culture development and helping organizations achieve that change every day. So I, I know that's why you and I are so aligned. Mm -hmm. We are indeed. So you mentioned the word culture and culture is so important. You know, there's, there's a, um, there was a consultant many years ago, um, Peter Drucker, that's who it was, yeah. who said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And that's so important. You can have the best strategies in the world, but if the culture of the organization is not supportive of the strategy, then the strategy falls apart. So it's not that one is better than the other, but, it's, but I see it now as, uh, two sides of the same coin that they, they need to be there. And culture is made up of your values. When we practice the values that influences our culture. So when organizations are developing these strategies, and of course, organizations are pivoting now uh, so quickly, if this, if the culture isn't receptive, um, then it just falls flat and it, and the organization's chaotic and they're not going to, meet their goals and whatever the, the mission of the organization is. So we need to focus on culture. It's, it's so hugely important and improve our culture, but also bring in people when new people come in that have the same values as we have. Those values are hugely important. Absolutely. I think I've told you, Nicole, that, that my favorite supermarket is Longo's up the road. <laughs> and uh, long, Longos have, have always maintained that they hire for attitude and train for skill. So we need to hire people with the right attitudes and values because attitudes are hard to change. 
people can pretend attitudes in an, in a, um, in an interview, but we have to be really careful whether, in fact, the attitude that they have is what they're going to bring to the organization and that they will live the values. We need to make sure that their values are very compatible. And it's not an easy thing to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to create something, a program for a client now uh, to identify people's values and to see to what extent they're aligned. Because once they're in and they've been there for a while and past the six months, pretty tough to get rid of people if you have to. And it's painful and expensive. And so we, we really need to spend a lot of time when we're bringing in people because people can be so um, counterproductive, not only to themselves, but the people around them. It becomes yeah. like a cancer. And that takes a, a bunch of uh, uh, an incredible amount of, of leadership self-awareness on the organizational side. As a leader, you need to be fully self-aware of your uh, values and, and your perception of people and your uh, skill set and what you are looking for specifically um, to be able to, to line that up with someone who's interviewing for a job, right? It, you know, you really have to be self-aware to be able to recognize what it is and isn't you're looking for. Yeah, and I think as leaders, if we have the courage, we need to ask the people that report to us, people in our team, and ask them, am I living the values? Uh, when have I not done that? Uh, what do you suggest I do differently? We need to be open and receptive to feedback because that's the greatest learning experience of all is getting feedback from the people around you. It's so interesting, Sai, when you said uh, the Peter Drucker quote about, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, there was something that I often uh, taught in organizations. And it was the notion that when organizations can give each other feedback, um, feedback up to their superiors, um, across to their peers, and down to those people that report to them, only once they've reached that um, up, down, and across, did they truly create a, a sandwich effect of change? That when all three of those pieces were in place, that was the ultimate space of an organization being, uh, having the capacity to make huge transformation, huge change, revenue growth, profit, all of those things. Only in that space where that feedback loop was thorough, is, is an organization truly able to, you know, and let's, let's throw out the word of 2020, pivot um, or, you know, adapt to change appropriately, really meet uh, the needs of their customers when everyone can talk to one another and give each other feedback and receive it well and take it well and make it part of the culture. So feedback as a culture mechanism has always been um, in the forefront for me. Yes, absolutely huge. And I think that um, uh, most managers really don't do a good job. In fact, um, when we were talking on our podcast yesterday on the, uh, on the clubhouse. Uh, clubhouse, yes, one of the gentlemen that came up uh, was talking about, um, uh, about the Gallup, Gallup data. And, yeah. and what is so interesting is that over the last 20 years, the top three things that are in the Gallup polls or about organization culture are still there and the top one of course is engagement people feel they're not engaged you don't really care about my opinion I don't get listened to 
Number two, people feel that they're not uh, getting information that's relevant and timely. And the third thing is they don't get feedback. They have to wait for a performance review. So all of those three things in organizations all relate to the people's relationship with their immediate boss. So all the other things, salaries and whether you've got air conditioning or not and, uh, and so on, they're important. But your immediate boss has a huge impact on your satisfaction in the organization. So when, I, when people tell me that they're going for an interview for a new job, I always tell them, find out who is the manager. What, are, what is his or her values? What does that person's staff say about them, their employees? That's the most important thing. The job will be fine anyway. But the person that you work for has a huge impact. And I, you know, I always think about the time you spend with a manager. We're, we're there five days a week. And at home with, our, with the people that we care about, we're, you know, we're sleeping most of the time. So yeah. ma managers have a huge impact on the lives of people. And, um, and most people leave organizations because of their immediate boss, not because of the organization. Most people. Yeah. I think that's directly in that Gallup survey. They say that the number one reason that people leave a job is because of their boss, not because yeah. of anything else. Absolutely. Um, that, I mean, that to me has been kind of the, the, the passion driver for me. It has been, you know, how to make people, you know, at the end of the day, something that my former business partner Ruth used to always say is uh, people for the most part are good people and, and they want to do a good job. You know, people don't come into the office every day and say, let me figure out what I can do to absolutely enrage my direct supervisor, right? Like, uh -huh, they, they, uh -huh. they want to do a good job. They might have a different approach, or they might have a, a unique perspective on it, or they might, uh, you know, however that might be that, you know, they ultimately want to do a good job. And so as leaders, you have this ability to tap into this, this Oh, gosh, well, I don't know how to even describe it. This innate desire. People want to do a good job. They want people to be happy with them. They want to yeah. enjoy the work that they do. And so as a leader, really, all your job is, is to tap into that, that, you know, bubble of energy and let it, let it soar, let it expand, let it, let it glow. Um, and that's really, ultimately, all your job is as a leader, you know, is, 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 Ensure that you're transmitting the information from the organization to your team and lighting up those, you know, it's like, it's like working on a, a, a Christmas tree light strand, right? Mm -hmm. Just make sure all of those lights are going. And if one of them's out, you got to figure it out uh, and get that light burning. And, and ultimately, that's what people want to do. They want to do a great job. Yeah. Isn't it funny that in organizations, people always point to one individual that is bringing the team down. And I asked them, how were they when they first came to the organization? Oh, they were crackerjack. Well, what happened? Something happened. What have we done to turn them into, into negative Nellies? Um, and, and we need to fix that. So, yeah. And we need to fix it fast. So not let these things fester. That's also important with feedback. Not letting things fester. They need to be dealt with quickly, empathetically, professionally and courteously and, and in a caring way. And, and you can really turn most people around in no time at all. Vast majority of people, as you suggested, do come to work and want to do the best and they want to be happy at what they do. So if we can find the formula that uh, tells them that we care and, and create the environment where they have the big three things, the engagement, the information and, 
and regular feedback, 99% of people will, will turn around and, and they'll have shining eyes or your, your Christmas lights, you'll see it. <laughs> That's right. That shining eyes was something that you often brought up that you said you want your team to have these shining eyes, this, this look of... Um, it's a glow. It's a glow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It sounds kind of cheesy, but it's 100% true. Yeah. And absolutely it's, it's so interesting how do you how do you assess those shining eyes in our new remote environment side how do you how do you look for those shining eyes in the in the virtual world right now well that's not all that difficult some people think it's difficult but you know when we're doing our calls if it's a phone call which is unusual today and by listening to the voice what are they saying to me and when you do a zoom call what is the body language telling me how what are their eyes telling me? The eyes, of course, are the windows to the soul. Do they have shining eyes? Are they engaged? Are they leaning forward? Are they smiling? Are they making suggestions? So a great mistake we make today with Zoom is that it's an information session. And there really should be some team building and engagement involved in, in each one of these sessions. Because for, especially with people that are working at home, they feel so isolated so if I can just divert for a second, you know, how do you, how do you create the sense of um, belonging and that you're important is, is starting each meeting with something fun, like at each meeting asking someone to bring an article of their, um, in their home that they really value and tell us the story of that item. Or they have a fa favorite photograph, bring it to the meeting and spend three minutes telling us about who the people are, what happened. So I... it creates a sense of I intimacy mm -hmm. love this idea Sai. you've mentioned this yeah. to me before and i yeah. want everyone listening to this podcast if there is one tip you can take out of today's uh, section you know or today's recording is to create a sense of of as you said intimacy rapport um this this lack of human interaction that we're experiencing needs to be supplemented and I absolutely adore the idea of bringing something uh, to the start of a meeting to quickly do a quick two-minute roundtable that says, bring something from your home that, that, that lights you up, that brings you joy, that has a great memory for you, whatever that might be. I think that is such, such a wonderful thing, especially, you know, we're now, you know, over a year into this um, pandemic and you know, we're now looking at teams for which they may have never worked together. Mm. There are individuals who have never interacted with other members of the team. So what are those strategies that you're bringing forward to help create that connection, the connection that was there when you could say, hey, I'm running down to grab a coffee. Do you want to come with me? And you got to chat about your weekend or what you were working on or, you know, people got to see what you were wearing or what you had in your purse. I don't know. And so I, I am absolutely blown away by that idea because I think it's amazing. And if you even want to take it one step simpler is ask people, prov um, uh, not provocative is not the word I'm looking for, engaging open-ended questions. How is your weekend is not an engaging open-ended question because right. let's be honest, they're all the freaking same. <laughs> the weekends are all the same. There's yeah. nothing's changed. Nothing's new. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. There are no concerts. There are no baseball games. So 
stop asking how was your weekend? How was your night? Because they're all the same. But what you can transform is to something like, what did you do to rejuvenate this weekend? What, what did you do that absolutely brought you joy this weekend? Um, and, and get people to delve a little deeper into, oh, you know, I actually went for a picnic with my family and it was particularly lovely. Or, you know, we, we went to, you know, on, on, I'm very, very lucky in my new neighborhood, there is a, a goat farm and a duck farm and uh, uh, bunnies and things. So we have the opportunity to take the kids to see those. And it, it truly is, it's a little bit of a walk from, from our house, but we, we make it over there and the kids are just delighted. And that is something I can honestly say brings me joy on the weekends versus, oh yeah, my weekend was good, good. Mm-hmm. And maybe you as the leader could set the tone and reveal something fairly personal. And that sets the tone for the rest of the people. Oh, I can do that. And that's not a big yes. deal. Yes. Being vulnerable. I mean, I, yeah. I don't, I, what's your, ex- I, I don't know your experience with Brene Brown, but I love Brene Brown's teaching. You know, we did a, a whole season of our podcast a few years ago or last year on Brene Brown's dare to lead. And it is only as I, only in this past year do I truly understand what that notion of being a vulnerable leader and what that means. What does that mean to you, Sai? I think it's just being open and um, not too proud to talk about your mistakes and the things you're not all that good at. Uh, because, again, I believe in humility. People will know what the good things are about you um, and you don't have to broadcast it. But talking about the things that you're not wonderful at and revealing that I think is, is really neat. And again, it shows humility that you're human and you're just like everybody else. Yeah. I think I like that, one, that, yeah, yeah I a hundred percent agree with you. I have always tried to lead with humility, this idea of, you know, I, just because I'm the boss doesn't mean that I, you know, or the leader doesn't, or the manager doesn't mean that I'm the expert. I've hired you and I believe that you are the expert. So, you know, in being humble, you know, I don't actually know what the best solution is. Tell me what your thoughts are and let's come to a decision together. Like that, that leadership of that type of human humility and vulnerability, I think is so, so powerful in, and it does so many things. It, it creates relatability with you as a leader it creates, it reduces this level of authority um, and removes the hierarchical barriers that sometimes uh, create working relationship challenges. It um, gives your employees autonomy, like just that notion of vulnerability and humility has so many uh, added benefits. Absolutely, yeah. And and when you engage people and ask for their opinions, because you're not quite sure of yours, you're also building in um, accountability because they give you the idea and, and they kind of own it. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference to what, what happens thereafter. Absolutely. Right. And it's that same thing, you know, I'm not sure how long it should take you to do this. What do you think is a reasonable timeline, right? So getting people to not only own their idea, own a solution, own a problem, but now own the, the the accountability of it as yeah. well right it, it, that vulnerability and that humility also offloads an incredible amount of uh, of of pressure from you as a leader you don't need to own all of that you don't need to create all of that you don't need to have all the answers let 
the experts on your team create that. And when they own it, when they, they want to do it, when they create a timeline that is truly reasonable, that they can, that they can do it in, they are so much more likely to achieve that without any uh, interference from the leader. Right. But the other side of the coin there is authenticity. You can't always suggest to people, well, I just don't have the answers. I mean, when you do have the answers, you will tell people. Or when you're asking them, you say, well, I think I have an alternative or I have another idea. What do you think? Uh, But the humility and authenticity together make a wonderful combination. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. Sai, what do you think the one one thing that leaders need today. If you could um, wave a magic wand or, or go in and facilitate for every company across the world, but you're only allowed to have one topic, what would it be? That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, well, um, I think that leaders today need to be strategic. Uh, strategic in that they need to think about the, uh, the about the future. They need to think about the different stakeholders, uh, because the world is changing so fast, and sometimes we're making changes, and we don't see the benefits, the added value to different stakeholders, and the interplay of different stakeholders. Because what could be good for one is not good for another. So uh, being strategic is is really important. Uh, and that's not an easy thing. You can't easily teach. You can show people models, but getting people to think strategically takes time. And people are so busy, they don't often sit down and close their eyes and think about the future. And as Jack Welsh, he said, let's talk about the future because that's where we're going to be spending most of our time. And the automotive industry, of course, is such a great example. You you had this crackpot from South Africa who just transformed the whole industry and started making electric cars. And now the world is changing dramatically. A friend of mine down the road said in their building, they're putting in um, stations for every single car now to, for, for, um, to charge their cars. So it's changing dramatically. And uh, the traditional companies that are making combustion engines, they're not going to be there in three to five years. Uh, yeah. So we have to think and act strategically. So that, that's really important. There was a gentleman on our, on our program yesterday who said, I think he said, use the word, um, was it being inquisitive? Was, mm-hmm. was a great uh, value. People need to be inquisitive. Or maybe uh, had another curious. word. Curious. Curious, that's the one. Curious. What a great attribute. Curious. Yeah. What can we do differently? What can we do better how can we improve this? How can we reduce the processing time? How can we make our clients happy? How can we make our employees more engaged? Curious is fabulous. Just a wonderful thing. And again, not an easy thing to teach. You can teach the benefits and you can teach people to, to sit back before they make decisions or to to walk around. Do you remember the old thing mentioned by walking around? That's, that's important. Yeah. It makes you more curious, not sitting in your office. You learn so much when you expose yourself to different things. Every time you and I talk, my, my brain goes in 10 different directions. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> and actually yesterday you stumped me. You said, Sai, what do you think? And I said, yes, because my brain, I was off in another <laughs> thought. 
because I do a lot of thinking in, in workshops. That's where I do most of my thinking. I'm trying to pay attention, but each little thought that I hear from someone just explodes yeah. my brain and I'm going in five different directions. Oh my goodness. That's side that you've literally described what it feels like for me to facilitate when I facilitate or when we're on clubhouse or when I do these podcasts, I, when people say something, my mind literally goes into fireworks, right? It's yeah. like that one idea yeah. just goes pew and like 35 things come out of it and I don't know where to go first. And so it's one of the skills I have to practice all the time is my active listening, right? To make sure that I am truly not thinking about what idea has come to my mind or what uh, things I need to say, but instead, you know, really, truly listening to people. So I'm going to say, so Sai, you're, what you're suggesting is that if leaders had one skill um, that they could improve on, you know, across the board, it would be uh, strategic thinking. Yeah, but but I'm not going to give you an answer. I just can't do that. So, yeah, I know you're big on this one thing, and I know that is important. But but I've got to say, there's got to be three things. One okay. was strategic. The other one is being curious because yep. that gets you thinking and never satisfied. And the third thing would be empathetic, because yeah. we're living in such difficult times today, and people are are fed up. They are stressed. They can see an end to this. They question their leaders because one day the policy is one thing, the next day it's something else. One day there's vaccines available, the next day it's not. It's, it's incredibly stressful and people are struggling. So being empathetic and in tune with what's going on with your people is hugely important. Uh, and I want to take a leaf out of, of someone else's book. It's about mental health. When people are so stressed, uh, the body re- releases cortisol, and cortisol makes our immune systems so compromised. So when you think about leadership, it has health and safety aspects to it as well. Yeah. But when, you, when you're good with your people, it releases other hormones, um, oxytocin and serotonin. So you can think about uh, mental health and the, the well-being of our people as a huge component of leadership, um, making sure that they are psychologically happy which means they are physically happy and again tapping into people which is being empathetic is part of that that's my big three then for today Uh, the third one would be empathetic and and making sure that your people are psychologically healthy because if they're psychologically healthy they will be chances are physically healthy as well okay what is such a huge responsibility huge responsibility uh, leadership i i i so i'm gonna grab that because I have always said um, when I train leaders and managers, you have no idea of the impact that you have on people. Your Uh expressions, your tone, your words are amplified and magnified by, you know, 10, maybe a hundred to your employees the words you choose impact them differently as in that leader, uh, leader employee relationship than you can imagine. They watch, they see, they observe, they analyze, they uh, criticize. I, I think that the skill of the skill of self-awareness of a leader is so massive. Understanding the impact you have on others, um, especially the people that, you know, and, and I think that speaks so highly to what you said is, you can impact the mental health and wellness of others. 
by your words, by your tone, by how you lead, by what you do, all of those things. So I am going to try and let's see. I am going to suggest, Sai, uh-huh. that if I could go and teach all every leader in the whole world one skill that could one skill to rule them all, like Lord of the Rings, Sai, one ring to rule them all. It would be coaching, coaching and feedback. Well, coaching is hugely important. It's a, it's a major subset of leadership, of course. And, and coaching is about making people confident and competent so that you can get off the play field and make mm-hmm. them enjoy the game and, and, and excel without you. You want to be on the sidelines. You want to mm-hmm. be the, the cheerleader. Um, and so riddle, riddle me this, Sai. Does coaching allow people to through asking uh, great open-ended questions, allow leaders to um, be more strategic uh, through, through this line of inquiry? And, uh, and does coaching allow leaders to be more curious? And then what was your, what was your third topic? You said um, strategy, curiosity, and empathy. And by mm-hmm. coaching and asking great questions, can you explore and be able to seek and understand other people's perspectives and be empathetic? So here's my thing. Do you think coaching could meet all three of those um, components that you mentioned in one, one, one thing to rule them all? It can, but bear in mind that coaching has two elements when I think about the metaphor of coaching. One is when the game is being played. But at the, at the halftime or at the end of the game, they, they go to the, uh, to the change room and they talk about what happened. So yeah. there are times when you're giving instructions, but there's times also when at the halftime where you're saying, well, what's going on and what do you think we can do differently? So we have to be able to do both. Yeah. But I think that the traditional model of coaching is about telling and, and bringing up people's um, technical skills. But there's another side to it. So, so I don't think it covers everything because there's there's a lot of telling uh in in coaching and in in a a good coach in a corporate environment would also be doing a lot of asking uh what do you think how do you feel what can we do better what would it look like those kinds of Mm -hmm. questions um where do you think we could be in three years time what's your vision big big questions yeah and i mean i i certainly feel like there's a place for directive directive leadership and i feel that there is always some some layer of of open-ended questioning and and um coaches you know for me coaching in a in a leadership context is exclusively asking questions yeah tell me you know tell me about what you did what is your thoughts on how we could approach this what is a reasonable timeline for how we could get there what do we need to think about to be able to embrace the future uh, and, and being able to ask those questions that result in conversations that um, give feedback and, and show humility and show empathy. So I'm, I'm going to say if I could teach one thing, it would be this skill of, uh, of coaching and, and feedback as, a, as the number one theme and kind of um, the overarching superpower of great leaders is this ability to coach and ask the right questions to 
generate great strategy, to generate employees that are engaged and have shining eyes because they they feel like they own things and, uh, you know, and then also hits kind of those strategic points as well. Yeah, well, it would have a huge impact on performance, more so than just being strategic uh, and just being empathetic and just being curious. I think it covers all three really nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Sai, where can our listeners find you? What are you up to? Where, where, can, they, where can they learn from your absolute genius other than uh, our Tuesday morning, um, morning leader motivation on Clubhouse? Well, I have a website, of course, www.askcharney, askcharney.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, like everybody else. Uh, but I love to talk to people. Um, just send me an email. More than happy to set up a phone call and chat to people. I love to listen, love to ask questions, and I love, I love solving problems. Um, that, that's my favorite thing to do. So I, I would ask lots of questions. And think strategically about the issues that you have and work with people to find long-term answers, not short-term answers. So when I think I do a lot of training and I'm moving away from the traditional model of a couple of days training to doing small pieces of training, but then following up with people in small groups of five or six to talk about what they learned and what they're doing. And not just to have one follow-up, but a number of follow-ups with each session so that, that. Um, people know that there's something that's going to follow after this. And they are with their peers and they need to talk about what they're doing and what are the roadblocks and what they're going to do between this meeting and the next one in two weeks' time. So there's no point in just doing training if there's no follow-up and encouragement for people to use the skills. So I love it. Are you teaching any are you teaching any leadership courses that the public can access? Well, I um, am doing one coming up in a couple of weeks time at Humber. Uh, and that is a fabulous it's a one day it's a half day program. Half day program, that's right. And it's it's about the story of Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton it's one of the most amazing stories in the annals of history this explorer that went to the south pole and was marooned there in ice packs and uh, after after nearly two years brought his 26 seamen back to the uk alive uh, after being stranded the story is, is amazing can't tell you it all now but what he did, his tenacity, his ability to pivot, his problem-solving ability, his empathy, his team-building, everything that you can imagine in amazing leaders is, is the story that I tell in this workshop. And I have fabulous pictures and videos to share with people and to stop from time to time and challenge people. What can we learn from him? How would this apply in your team? Because the circumstances are the same. He was in a pandemic kind of environment. Couldn't see the end. Would we? Would we make? Uh, would we get back? Uh, and how do we navigate from where we are to safety? Just fabulous story. Very proud of that workshop. I love it. So I will definitely put the link into the show notes for your course, and and make sure we post this uh, this episode up so that people have a chance to come witness you in your uh, 
<laughs> in your natural habitat. Cy just shines on stage. He is an incredible instructor um, and the most kind of caring and wonderful facilitator. So I hope that some of you get that opportunity to learn from Cy. And Cy, thank you for chatting with me today about everything leadership. It was it was uh, the, the best fireworks I could have expected. Oh, you're so kind, Nicole. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Sai, and we will, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to our next chat together. Don't forget uh, Clubhouse at 9 a.m. on Tuesday mornings in the Thought Leadership Branding Club. Our room is called Morning Leader Motivation, um, co-moderated by Sai and myself and our, our great friends Monica Feel and Simone Tai. So we hope to see you all there where we can all chat leadership together because we uh when we talk leadership, we can create fireworks. Have a great day, Sai. Wonderful. Thank you, Nicole. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us at Off the Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you want to keep up to date with everything that at the whiteboard podcast is doing make sure that you rate review and subscribe to the podcast you can also find us on instagram at whiteboard consult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca talk soon